Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. He's Stephen Gagliano. It's great to be with you as always. Now, so we're 17 days away from the season starting for real, 10 days away from week zero, so that would make it 19 days away from the Old Miss Louisville game, right? Yes, that was a lot of numbers, but yes, I think that's correct. Right, we got 7-14, no, hold on, yes, 19, <laughs> yeah, I was getting ahead of my skis there, inside of three weeks, until that, that's what matters. That's a good general time frame. Inside of three weeks, until Ole Miss and Louisville gets started in Atlanta. Hope a lot of you can make it. I know it's a, a Monday night, a weird day, really, for uh, for this kind of a game. I, Keith Carter, a few weeks ago on uh, on the radio show, said that they had sold through the school 7,500 tickets. And your first thought is, whoa, that's low. But also, there are so many people that will not buy through the school. That's true. It's probably cheaper. I know somebody that had a experience uh, at the Sugar Bowl where they bought through the school for more money than what I got my tickets for in the Lower Bowl, and they were like four rows from the back of the damn stadium. Like you can't even tell what team's <laughs> what. And he said, I was talking to him the other day. Actually, he was like, I will never buy through Ole Miss ever again for any neutral site or bowl, site or bowl game. I I expect. You know, four times that. And, uh, that's a, a stretch on Monday. At least three times that, I think, would actually be in the stadium. Old Miss fans, I just don't think they're buying through the school. I some see a those, lot. Some of those StubHub fees, though, are going through the roof. It's insane. Yeah. I have family going to the Clemson-Georgia game, and they said that the the surcharge or whatever on the ticket was like 20% of the actual ticket. So like, it, it boosts it by a good bit. Yeah, that's like legalized fraud that they're committing because they lift a list a price for $80 or whatever and then you end up paying 120 per seat. It's a joke. Somebody, here's your million-dollar idea, needs to start a ticket platform just like them, StubHub, whatever, and just cut the fees in half. Whatever the lowest secondary market website is, cut the fees in half, and there's your million-dollar idea. Yeah, there's no way they're cutting the market. Yeah, there's no way their overhead dictates all the fees they have to run. There's no possible way that they have to do that to, like, break even or whatever. I didn't know this. During the the pandemic, we learned that grocery stores really don't make, at the end of the day, a whole lot of money because there's so much cost up front, and they don't sell everything, and it goes bad. So grocery stores aren't making as much money as people think they are. Uh, There's your little fun fact of the day. It's... They're looking to hire workers back, and people don't want to come. And they're like, well, just raise your wages. And the grocery stores, especially the small ones, are like, I can't. I mean, we don't make that much money. Uh, There's no way that that's the same setup for StubHub. No, No, they don't have a a big warehouse of tickets that are about to expire. So, yeah, they don't have that same kind of overhead. They don't have to buy anything at all. They they pay for nothing. You know, going coast to coast, delivering all this stuff. No inventory, (laughs) nothing. All they have to do is have a functioning website. That's what we should do. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, what are we doing recording this podcast? Let's just go start that ticket operation. Yeah, for half the fees. But hope you guys uh, are going to go to that game and enjoy yourselves while you're there. We'll play for you here in a little bit. Uh, Lane Kiffin's post film watching scrimmage press conference. So he had a post scrimmage press conference, and we talked about that on Monday. Not happy with the defense. Gave you a spin zone on that. But he watched the film and came out with a different conclusion. Uh, so we'll play it later, Stephen. But did you do you see what he said about? In hindsight, that's why he doesn't like giving quotes right after games because it's different when you watch it on film versus when you're there on the sideline and you see the outcome of the game. He said, and you'll hear it in a second, that first-team defense did not perform poorly. It was the twos and threes that he was upset with, but the ones he was actually okay with the way they scrimmaged. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, and you know, now we can prepare to get even less from Lane Kiffin in the future because he said it. He doesn't like making these kind of grandiose statements after scrimmages, practices, games, whatever. And now after he kind of had to retract what he said over the weekend, I think now that'll be even more his policy moving forward. But yeah, I had seen a couple reports saying that You know, members of the first-team defense kind of held their own pretty well, which it's a very encouraging sign now if you're an Ole Miss fan as we're, you know, inside of three weeks away from the first game. Yeah, and with all due respect to the football coach, and most of these guys are perfectionists, that's got to sound good to, to you guys out there. No, apparently the twos were awful and the threes were bad and they couldn't tackle and all that. But the fact that you have a unit on the defensive side of the football that doesn't suck, according to their head coach, that is a great thing to hear that he watched the film and determined, you know what, they're not that bad. That is progress, man. That is a step in the right direction. Lane Kiffin having to correct himself because, you know what, the ones, they were fine. Yeah, not that bad. That's a good thing. They were fine. Love it. Or you and, should. And fine, that's, I feel like that's the word that we've kind of honed in on, is that's all this Ole Miss defense has to be, is fine. Last year, they were atrocious. So if you improve from atrocious to fine, it's a big step. It's a really big step. So uh, we'll play that audio for you here in a little bit. I do want to talk about something, speaking of Lane Kiffin, that he shared on Twitter today. Uh, this is actually a story from a month ago that he shared today. But it cracked me up. He likes and, to do that. He finds older articles and kind of brings them back into the forefront if you missed it the first time around. Right? Yeah, and, and he's poking at Nick Saban when he does the rat poison thing. So he shared this link, which is a uh, draft analysis from Daniel Jeremiah. He's one of the best. Uh, from NFL.com about Matt Corral. Lane shares it to his... What, how many followers does he have? He has... Many hundreds of thousands. It, is it approaching a million? Let me get the exact number. 489,000. Oh, wow. Not approaching the million, but almost 500,000 followers he has on Twitter. Uh, so he shares this to all of them so they read it, but then he calls it rat poison, making fun of Nick Saban for saying that you shouldn't share that kind of stuff with your players. So <laughs> it cracks me up, and I wanted to bring it to you because this is something we talked about not too terribly long ago. I think there are some Ole Miss fans or people that cover the program, that are underselling how special of a quarterback that you have. And the kind of eyes that are on him, 
more so than any other quarterback since Eli at Ole Miss. There is, I mean, that's undeniable. I, I had people say, well, Chad Kelly had this kind of hype. No, not like what I'm about to read to you. And he was not projected to be a first-round pick going into the 2016 season. This is different. He's special. And this, what Lane Kiffin shared on Twitter today, although it's a month old, I didn't see it when Daniel Jeremiah put it out there the first time, underscores how special of a quarterback that you really have. Here's what he said. He said he might not be a household name around the country, but Ole Miss Matt Corral is generating a lot of buzz from NFL personnel executives heading into this season. The excitement about his potential has been building since he showed his promise orchestrating Lane Kiffin's offense last season, and he lists his stats there. The premise of this article was he thinks that Matt Corral will have a Zach Wilson-like ascent in college football. Nobody knew who Zach Wilson was going into last season outside of Provo, Utah. Then he became the number 2 overall pick in the draft. Daniel Jeremiah thinks that Matt Corral can have that kind of ascension. And the key thing there, in at least the first paragraph of this article, is saying buzz from NFL personnel executives. You know, you can have preseason hype from the media or from the SEC network, wherever. And yes, that that matters and that's big. But when you have these kind of rumblings among NFL offices, that's where this really starts to gain traction. And, and a guy like Daniel Jeremiah is not making that up. That I mean, right. the number of scouts that have been at Ole Miss camp watching Matt Corral tells you all you need to know. This kid is uh, being looked at as a first-rounder. So Daniel Jeremiah watched three games of Matt Corral's, like film watch, not like with a beer like we do on Saturdays, <laughs> like broke down specifically three games. It was Kentucky, Alabama, and Arkansas. He said, what I liked, Corral has a very intriguing skill set. He's an excellent athlete and versatile thrower. He's capable of driving the ball into small windows, layering the ball over linebackers, under safeties, and dropping the deep ball into the bucket. His overall touch is outstanding. He has tremendous quickness and awareness inside the pocket to avoid the free rusher. He's effective on design quarterback runs because of his suddenness and ability to elude defenders. He is very competitive to fight for extra yards. All that sounds pretty fair. Yeah. I would say so. Pretty accurate summation. Where he needs to improve. This is quite obvious, but still, this is clearly written by somebody that actually freaking watched his games and then looked up his stats and applied context. This doesn't happen very often, guys, so appreciate this because very few people have written about Corral correctly. Yeah, the last guy who did this said he needs to improve on the deep ball, which (laughs) could not be further from the truth. Turnovers. Jeremiah says, are the main problem, and they came in bunches during the 2020 campaign. He threw 11 of his 14 interceptions in two games. You guys know what those games are. His primary issues were locking onto his initial read, failing to identify underneath defenders, and forcing the ball into non-existent windows. I believe he can clean this up. I've seen him maneuver and manipulate safeties with his eyes in the games I studied. There is one more thing for him to work on. His eyes get ahead of his feet when scanning from one side of the field to the other on occasion. He doesn't let his feet catch up, and he releases the ball with an unangled base, which impacts his accuracy. That's real film study. That is not something that I could have told you guys myself. Just, I, I could not have, I would not have picked that up. I could have watched, I did watch every game, but the way Daniel Jeremiah does, and I would never have been able to tell you that right there. Yeah, that's high-level stuff. And reading, you know, reading it on the page, that starts to make you think, and my initial reaction to that is, I mean, it's dead on, because Somebody with the arm strength and the arm talent of Matt Corral, the way he's able to throw from these different angles, the second he sees something, 
he's going to try to throw it in that window. So if his feet don't get around in time, it is going to impact where you throw the ball, and it's going to put you in some bad spots every now and then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as as talented as he is and as much arm talent as he has, it can get you into trouble sometimes. I'm surprised you didn't mention it. You know, this is just uh, picking nits, and, and, you know, you don't have to compliment literally every single thing he does well. But Corral's really accurate throwing from different arm angles. And there are some quarterbacks that can't do that. They've got one arm angle, and that's what they do. His ability to to drop his angle and throw around uh, defenders is really impressive. And he doesn't overdo it. You know, there are some guys that, that you'll see that will try to show off that they can throw sidearm and stuff just because. It looks like he really kind of picks and chooses when to do that. And it's effective almost every time. He's really good at that. Almost and now whenever anyone hears different arm angles, everyone instantly thinks Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. The one that I always go to is Matt Stafford. I think he did it kind of before it was cool and before everyone else did. And nobody noticed because where he was. <laughs> that too. But he's one of those guys that I don't think overdoes it. He has his normal throwing motion, but when he needs to, he can get very creative with it. Mm-hmm. Matt Stafford doesn't get the credit for it, though. Matt Stafford doesn't get the credit for a lot. I, I can't tell you the number of people that, you know, going off in the weeds here, but, oh, he's not going to be good in L.A. His team's never won in Detroit. Well, look at the teams he was playing with he in, was Detroit. in Detroit. Give Detroit. That was, that's the problem with failed leadership that that team has been dealing with forever. That's not on Matt Stafford. Yeah, put Brady in Jacksonville for the last 20 years. You think he's winning a Super Bowl? Yeah, no shot. <laughs> Uh, here's his biggest takeaway. He said, I've been asked which college quarterback could emerge this fall, similar to the way Jets' first-round pick Zach Wilson popped on the scene last year. Corral would be my answer. This is an interesting line, although, again, Zach Wilson's generational, at least in this regard. He said he doesn't quite have the same arm talent as Wilson, but he has similar instincts, creativity, and playmaking ability. Wilson had ball securities in 2019 and cleaned them up in 2020. I'm hopeful Cor- Corral will have similar similar results in 2021. I don't mean to be laughing. I said ball securities, <laughs> ball security issues. The way it came out is just ball securities, though. Sounded funny. Carry on. Are you being immature I right am. now, Stephen? I, oh, I couldn't on, help man. it. And the second that I, I knew that the laugh <laughs> made its way into the microphone, I had to say something. I did not expect that out of you. Yeah, that was really funny. Had to be done. Oh, my God. Ball securities. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Matt's got to hang on to those a little bit better. Oh, man. Do we need to start over? <laughs> I don't think uh, so. Yeah, the Armstrong thing is fascinating. I mean, it's splitting hairs. If you say he doesn't quite have the arm talent as Zach Wilson, um, that's not like a slight. You know, I put this in my group message. Just, you know, I send stuff to my friends sometimes, and one of them said, that's bullshit. You know, he's got a better arm than Zach Wilson. Have you watched Zach Wilson play? I mean, the, the, that kid is special. Yeah, the Saying way the that ball... Corral's slightly less arm talented than the number two pick from last year's draft is not a slight. You may disagree, but to say that's BS is kind of ignoring how super talented Zach Wilson is at throwing the football. Yeah, and when you watch the ball come out of Zach Wilson's hands, it pops out of there. And for somebody, he's small. and He's probably around Matt Corral's size, maybe even a little smaller. But, yeah, the, he threw a kind of a deep out in the Jets' first preseason game. And I know, you know, take away from that what you will, but it is impressive, truly, to watch Zach Wilson throw the ball. And just because you're saying he's not as good as or Matt Corral 
not as good as Just simply Zach doesn't Wilson. have the same arm talent is yeah, all he said. That's not saying he doesn't have arm talent. Those are two completely different statements. Yeah. And uh Zach Wilson and Matt Corral are basically the same size. Wilson's got a little bit of weight on Corral, just a little bit though. That and that's something here, it lists him at two oh five that when you start to get towards the combine and all that stuff, I would think Matt Corral probably needs to add on about 10 pounds or so. I think Kiffin said that level. in media days, right? Was that he needs to put on a little bit of weight? Mm, he might have. I, that's, I don't remember, but they speak in you know 10 different places that day, so I may have missed that one. But it makes sense. Here's what he said. He reminds me of, I just mentioned Wilson, their situations are very similar. However, from a pure skill, cringe guys, from a pure skill set standpoint, I can't talk today. I see Derek Carr as the better comparison for Corral. Carr's a little taller, but the operational quickness and athleticism between the two players is almost identical. Corral is more aggressive than Carr during his college career at Fresno State, but both players could make every throw and also extend plays. Carr receives a lot of unwarranted criticism, but he's quietly emerged as one of the most consistent passers over the last several years. If Corral can improve his ball security, I can see a similar path for him. Derek Carr is a starter in the NFL and has been for a while and throws for a bunch of yards. People are going to cringe at that comparison, but if you get that, it's a hell of a life and a hell of a career, you know? Yeah, I I would certainly take it if I was being compared to Derek Carr. I do see a higher ceiling for Matt Corral than that, though. I, I think Derek Carr has hit his peak of where he's going to be in the NFL. And I think Matt Corral can be more than that. I hear you. I hear you. People aren't going to like that comparison. Probably not. Understandably so. But remember, these are just these are NFL guys doing NFL comparisons. And, I mean, again, there's only 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. That's it. Think about how many guys get drafted every year and how many of them do nothing. Derek Carr is one of only a handful that are – maintaining their status as a starter in the league and have done it for a long time. So it sounds bad, but also consider how difficult it is to do what Derek Carr has done. Anyway, just to you know, temper your cringe <laughs> if you were one of those. The podcast is brought to you, by the way, by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue, uh, right there in Oxford. It's the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. Pulling up the weather right now like I always do. Uh, perfect grilling weather coming on Sunday. Upper 80s, maybe slipping to the low 90s, and partly cloudy after a little rain brings a cold front in. Perfect grilling weather. Get that started at LB's. Again, just across from Kroger on University Avenue there in Oxford. And tell Greg that we sent you. Also, if you want, let them do the cooking for you. They have uh, lunch specials Monday through Friday. Also, absms.com, Advantage Business Systems. They uh, have... They started in Jackson and have been doing business in Jackson, but now... The entire state since the mid-70s. They're an office technology solution company that specializes in copiers and printers, mail machines, voiceover, IP phones, cloud storage, data security, stuff like that. If you have a business anywhere in Mississippi, doesn't matter where you are, don't let that name Jackson scare you. They service the entire state. Uh, You can get a complimentary office technology assessment if you think that you need any of those services and more. Check them out. ABSMS is the website, absms.com. They'll give you a complimentary office technology assessment, and you can find out how they can help you. And also, 
Tell them that we sent you. Before we play uh, Kiffin's audio, is there anything else that we've missed as far as news? The basketball team is 100% vaccinated. That's good for them. Congratulations, yeah. Kermit Davis and that group. That's that really was impressive. That going to be my little nugget of news here oh, at the end. Sorry. But... Sorry, I ruined yeah. it. But no, that, that's big, and that, that speaks to we talked about how it was, you know, program unity within the football program. Now it's starting to kind of leak out into the entire athletic department, which is a, a really good thing. I have not seen another SEC basketball team with that release, and I promise you if they've gotten there, they'll release it. I had uh, somebody recently tell me that if Mississippi State reaches 100% vaccines, they don't, they're don't. they not even sure that Mike Leach will let them release it. No, 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 no. They will make sure everybody knows if they get there. As they should. As e- they should. Everyone should kind of celebrate that. The Falcons, I believe, were the first Falcons are 100%, NFL team yep. to do it. Uh, yeah, that's not a Mike Leach decision. That is a university president decision that says we are putting this out there because we can be a shining light and example to a lot of people. And that's what Ole Miss did. That's what the Falcons did. That's what any team that reaches 100% is going to do. So shout out Kermit Davis and uh, the Basket Bears uh, getting it done. And, <laughs> uh, well, of course, we'll see. I had a... Uh, a state fan replied to me. I, I just quoted their announcement and said, great news. And he said, I wish he and Hallen would focus more on basketball in, instead of this because they need or something like that. And I thought, man, are, are you kidding me right now? Like, is that really something that you think that them getting a minor inconvenience of a shot that takes 15 minutes of their day is going to stop them from preparing for the basketball season in, in any way? Yeah. The season's not for another couple months, but yeah. Taking time to go get a shot two weeks, you know, separate, that that's going to be a big problem. No. No problems, at least in Oxford, when it comes to uh, the vaccination status of your athletes, which is a good thing. It's a really good thing. Uh, we'll play you Lane Kiffin now, and that will end the podcast. So here he is uh, amending his comments after the scrimmage, and uh, that will end the show. So thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll talk to you again on Friday. Hey, Lynn, I, I, I presume you've had the opportunity to kind of soak in Sunday scrimmage, watch film, things like that. Just what your general impressions are. Yeah, that's why I don't really, you know, love making big comments directly after, you know, game, but especially a scrimmage because you got a lot of stuff going on. And um, so after watching it, you know, what got mixed in there is all the scoring and points and, you know, not taking into account when it was ones, twos, and ones, ones. And so really, after looking at it, you know, and separating those, our one defense played pretty well. Um, Obviously, that would mean our two defense did not, two and threes, um, because of all the scoring. But, you know, going back over it, there was some very positive things on defense with the ones. So, um it also means our two offense got to get better also. Yeah, I, I was just going to ask if your evaluation of things had, had changed. It's, it sounds like it, it's a little bit different than it was right afterward. Yeah. I was going to ask you about Henry Parrish. I know he missed some time last season, but when he came in, he looked to be pretty impactful. What, what kind of a back can he be long-term and also this season? What are you expecting from him? I think Henry's a special player with a very high ceiling um, skinny kid when he came in here, um, you know, looks completely different already. And I think we'll continue to, um, you know, he was 
I'm sure he would tell you he was probably coming to FAU, you know, when we left there. And, and so we had recruited him a long time, was, you know, very aware how good he could become, um, you know, and how special, you know, he could be. So um, I think that we'll see really good things out of him. Yeah, just curious about what you could tell us about practice this morning. How did it go with them coming back from a day off and after the scrimmage and uh, uh, just anything of any significance that you deemed this morning? I think it was good. I felt like it wasn't as hot. I don't check the temperature every day like you know a lot of coaches do, but it didn't feel like that. So um, I thought they they did good. Um, it was a well-needed day off, you know, after an unrealistic scrimmage, which had a padded practice the day before, you know, which obviously would never happen. So you got to push that way early in camp. So good to see them respond. Uh, a couple of turnovers on the defense today, which we did not see Saturday or Sunday. So that was good. I, I know we're getting Momo uh, later. How, how has he looked in over the last or the first week of camp and how big a piece is he going to be if this defense is going to improve? Well, we've moved guys around a lot. Have some, you know, new guys at multiple positions, including a new linebacker. Um, you know, that has a lot of experience. So those guys are shuffling in there, and um, you know, we're looking at also different schemes to play too. So uh, we expect really big things out of them. At this point in camp, do you start install with Louisville yet, or do you kind of hold off until it gets closer? No, we don't. I mean, as coaches, we know there may be things that we want to look at, but it's not the players don't know that. Coach, could you talk a little bit about how Otis Reese is doing? Um, I missed the last part of that. Otis. Who's that? How is Otis Reese progressed? Oh, yeah. Um, Otis has done a great job. Um, he's playing multiple spots for us, and I think, you know, should be one of the best players on our team. I know tackling was something that you brought up after after that. Uh, is that just – I know – I think it was like your guys' second – fully had practices. Was that just is it rust? How, how do you guys kind of get better on that? Well, when we broke it down, it wasn't as much with the ones, um, but in defense, like I said, right afterwards too, you know, that's too, unfortunately, it's not to be expected, but probably going to happen, you know, first time out, um, really tackling each other. So, you know, we need to improve on that. Lane, at this stage of camp, I know we periodically ask you this about the the freshmen that are out there, the new guys. But after a couple more days of practice and the scrimmage, uh, you've mentioned a couple of guys. Anybody else impressed you that are newcomers, not necessarily freshmen, uh, to the program at this point? I think a lot of guys are struggling um, from a physical standpoint because that first week is so hard. So a number of those guys are limited, um, You know, especially the, the new receivers you know, are, are barely doing very much. Um, I would say <clears throat> Marquise Brown has really shown up a lot, made some splash plays, gave up some plays too, but, um, you know, off the top of my head, you know, there'd be, there'd be a new guy that has really, you know, shown some ceiling. I know you don't discuss injuries in depth, uh, but everything's still in the kind of bang and bruise category right now. There's nothing. Yep. I have no significant. I know it's still 20 days or so till till the game. Do you, this week, do you push real hard and then next week start scaling back? Or how does what's kind of just the schedule of how you conduct the rest of, of camp? Yeah, we push mentally and physically this week. 
um, you know, and then start to scale back mentally for sure um, with install and then later in that next week physically. Is anyone standing out in that group of pass rushers you have on the edge, the DeMond Clowney's, Jaquivon Brown, Cedric Johnson type guys that, are, that kind of merged there? Yeah, Cedric and Clowney have, <clears throat> have really stood out, um, you know, for younger players, have really high ceilings, um, really good pass rush ability. I expect a lot of the out of those guys at an area of definite need for improvement from last year. I was curious if you, if you could speak again to the importance of the 100% vaccination and what, what a relief it must be for you as a coach. Yeah, it really is not to think about having to, you know, have different rules for guys. And um, again, that's a lot of credit to our players, to our staff, to our whole building, you know, to be the first people to do that. And, you know, to, I, I hope, inspire other people. I think it's almost made other teams, from what I've heard inside of programs, be competitive to match that, which is great. Um, and hopefully the people of Mississippi. So I said it before, I'm sure it's criticized, but, you know, the more around it and the more information we continue to get, I think it's just completely selfish not to, you know, especially when you're going to be around people, especially elderly people. Initially, now it's any people to be around. So it's just how I feel. Coach, what's the number one thing that you need to see out of all areas of the ball, just in this last area of fall camp, before feeling fully confident heading into Louisville? I think depth. Um, like I said, the first defense played pretty good. The first offense played pretty good. We've got to develop depth, get special teams, um, you know, figured out, and you know, make sure that we're winning turnover margin. I, I hate to ask another COVID question, but. With you guys getting to 100% vaccinated, and there are a lot of teams, and I'd probably say most across the country, are still struggling with that. Have you heard from other coaches asking you, hey, how did you guys do this? What did, what was the process? Yeah, we've heard a lot, whether it's me, assistants, whether it's, <clears throat> you know, especially training room, you know, medical staff of other people calling. You know, it's not like we're in a competition here, you know, to win and not get other people like you normally would in, in sports, you know? So <clears throat> we've shared those things and um, ho hopefully it's helped even within our conference, which is probably unusual for fans to hear, but. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.